Let's pray together. Lord, we just sang or we just heard or we just saw on the screen. But this I know with all my heart. And I do pray that, I pray that's, that's what it is. That's what's true for this congregation, this church family. I, I know there are people here who question. I know there are people here who are here because it's Mother's Day. Uh, that was me years ago. But this, I know with all my heart, but I, I have to remind myself too that your wounds paid my ransom. And so I don't make a payment based on what I've done or what I do or uh, how I look or anything that you have given me. It's only your wounds, Jesus, on the cross that save us. And this I know with all my heart, but I have to preach to myself. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, because nothing said by me or nothing said by uh, anybody else, uh, does that to a human being's heart. Your Holy Spirit is working. Your Holy Spirit has drawn these people here, every one of them. And people may even say, well, I'm just here because of Mother's Day. Um, well, they have a mom who's here, um, and through their mom, uh, you work on that life. And so I just I thank you for the ways that you work. You are all powerful. You are orchestrating some things we can see, others that we don't. I pray that uh, it would just be about you, Jesus, in our life, uh, in this church. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, thank you all. Have a seat. Uh, get comfortable, but not too comfortable. If you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 21. If you don't have your Bible, there's a Bible in the back. And let me say this, you know, uh, a big thing for me is to, and I haven't always done this, um, when we started Bellwether, I did a lot more, but to get the churchiness out of church. And I guess I do it less and less now because we actually have a church building. But what I mean is to remind us that what we just sang about, and I was, I was standing there and I was singing and, you know, a lot of times I'll always think about like what y'all think about, not whether something is good or not good, but like, you know, what's the Lord doing in their hearts? And often, you know, we get here and it's like, you know, we stand and we sing and, you know, we wait. And so one reason we do sing uh, whether it's, you know, really uh, high and high volume and, I don't know, blow it out or, or soft, uh, is we believe those words uh, have had impact in history, have impact for today, and that the Holy Spirit works in that. Um, and I'm just saying that to, I pray that you would receive, I just pray more and more that the churchiness uh, would be out of this church. Uh, and not that, not that it's like big time here or anything, it's just I think we can get caught up in that and like, you know, this is what we do, and uh, we come because we've got to, and um, just want it to be real. Uh, I, I want what we sang about, you know, this I know with all my heart, your wounds have paid uh, my ransom. Um, I'm desperate for that. I'm, I'm uh, hunger for that, to see that in people's lives, to see changed lives. Okay, John 21, I'm going to read verse 15 through 25, but before we read that, a couple things. Uh, we have done a, a really short series, this is the last Sunday of the series, on rest, uh, something we all need. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Uh, it's what Christianity is. Amen? Yeah. Amen. But we may not know that. That's what I've just been talking about. A lot of times we think Christianity is, hey, we go to church. Well, that's doing something. Or we think Christianity is being a good citizen, being a good person. Christianity is rest, that his wounds 
have paid our ransom, that he did what we could not do. So Christianity is, is rest in and of itself. We talked about two weeks ago, rest is receiving. Last week we talked about rest is knowing. Today I'm talking about, and this is a big one, rest is, get this, not comparing. You got that? Anybody compare here? Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Shot that hand right up. Okay, appreciate that honesty. Uh, yeah, I do. You, you probably spent the morning, uh, a good bit of your thoughts have been comparing. Coming here, you know, what some person wears, what they wear, what someone says, what they don't say. The song to another song, the church to another church. I mean, it, sometimes our life just becomes comparison. And our Christian life becomes comparison. Particularly when we live in a very individualistic culture, society, that uh, celebrity-focused, um, and everybody has gifts, but we compare our gifts, and you know, we want to be the best, and there's so much about being the best. It just it gets a lot about comparing. So true rest is a rest from comparison, uh, of not comparing. I want to talk a little bit about me. Uh, forgive me, but uh, y'all won't hear from, from me for a while. So for me, uh, rest is, is coming up. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to try to do this the right way in that uh, for the first time in uh, 12 years in ministry, nine years here, going on 10, uh, taking a sabbatical time uh, away from the weekly rhythms of preaching and pastoring. And so I'm going to have some disciplines in that too. I've talked to you all about no screens. and uh, Anyway, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah. And definitely no social media, we'll see how that goes too. But trying to do this where it is uh, healthy for our family, for our marriage, for this church. And I'm very, you know, and this is God's gift to me, honestly. I'm very excited for what the Lord will do in this church uh, while I'm away. And I say that as a gift because, I, I, honestly, I wouldn't always be like that. I mean, like, I'm just excited that, you know, the Lord's going to do a great work in the uh, in the weeks to come and you know, without me. And I say it's a gift because a lot of my life, you know, frankly, has been, you know, I'm just being honest, getting the church in out of church is about me. And if you're honest, a lot of your life is about you and you kind of, you know, we want to be in the thick of things. So to remove ourselves uh, to just like be with the Lord, <laughs> I mean, that sounds good, but who can really do it, you know? I mean, some, some can, I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, let me say a few things too about the sabbatical. This is very normal in, uh, in churches, I have had uh, a lot of pastors, both here in Jackson, I can name them, you know them, but I won't, uh, and pastors outside of this Metro Jackson context uh, tell me uh, to do this uh, because they've done it, uh, and they've done it in their life and their church, and they've talked about the exciting work that the Lord does in their church and their life and come back uh, renewed, refreshed for the next season. Uh, so, uh, a, a word I love, narrative, uh, which really means story. Uh, like I say, you know, we're, um, you know, we're not hitting the, the panic button on marriage. Right? Say it right. <laughs> okay? We're not, uh, we're, you know, I'm not buying a ticket to, um, you know, some, some, some place or convent to, you know, I don't know, just totally check out. But I'm going to remove myself. And so, anyway, I look forward to being back. Have a lot of plans coming up for the next year. You know, we'll be celebrating, and I emphasize that word celebrating, 10 years of the Lord's work in this church. Uh, so starting in August and in the fall, we're going to do some things to celebrate that. Uh, we'll be doing an August series called Renew, uh, which does tie into coming back. 
In the fall, we're going to go through Galatians. Uh, and then even in 2018, we're going to go through Genesis. Uh, being 10 years, uh, a new beginning, new season. Uh, so looking forward to all of that. Now, what could you do during this sabbatical time? The Lord put this on my heart yesterday. Uh, I have this Bible I bought a couple weeks ago at a Gospel Coalition Conference. Uh, Hunter was there with me. Tabor was there. It's called the Pastor's Bible. It's really, it's really good. Well, anyway... I was just doing my daily reading yesterday, and I came across this prayer for your pastor. Uh, and it was, it was so good, the Lord moved on me to read it to y'all. Because some folks have asked, hey, what can we do? What? And I know uh, Chris, a good brother, he said, hey, man, every time uh, that, that I preach, and he's, he's preaching several times this summer, he's going to uh, lead us, I'm very thankful for this, in prayer uh, for, for me, my family. But this was a, this was a prayer, uh, or actually talking about a prayer for your pastor. It's written by Kent Hughes, and it was in a book in 1987. I love the title of the book, Liberating Ministry from the Success Syndrome. Okay? If you heard me right. From the Success Syndrome. That's something we all can suffer from. But what you could do is to pray for us. I'm going to read this prayer, and I would love for you to not check out as I'm talking. Okay? And I'd love for you to just think about this, and I may even send it out on our prayer email that goes to all our members. I don't know yet, Uh, but if you'd like me to send it, I will. Pray for your pastor. Listen to these words. Every pastor knows that the strength of the ministry rests on prayer and that it is those faithful souls who pray regularly for him and the church who bring God's special blessing upon the ministry. This fact invites a marvelous what-if scenario. What if not just a few, but the entire leadership and congregation prayed in detail every day for the pastor and their church? What might happen to his heart, to his preaching, to worship, to evangelism, to missions? Can there be any doubt that the minister and his people would know greater enablement than ever before in their lives? Prayer is where the congregation must begin in this whole matter of encouragement. And then it gives some directives, so I'm going to keep reading them. Pray that he will be a true success, that he will be faithful, true to God's word, and hardworking, that he will be a servant, following the example of our foot-washing Lord. That he will love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. That he will truly believe what he believes about Christ. That he will lead a holy life and not succumb to the sensuality of our culture. That he will lead a life of deep prayer following Jesus' example. That he will have a positive attitude free from jealousy. That's good stuff. That's... Hey, that's prayer requests I need. He goes on, pray for his ministry, for his preaching, for time to prepare, for understanding the word, for application, for the power of the Holy Spirit in delivery, for Sunday services, for his leadership, for immediate problems he is facing. Pray for his marriage, for time for each other, for communication for deepening love, for fidelity. Pray for his children by name. 
Perhaps you might ask the pastor or his wife how they would like to pray for their children. The outcome of such detailed daily prayer fosters a compelling vision. But like success, it is not beyond our reach. And then he ends. And I'm like, let us pray for success in the church. I thought that was very good. It really, it really ministered to me about um, a prayer request. And so in taking the churchiness out of church, um, you know, I, I really have never wanted to be and, and really probably fall into this trap, but don't want to be like a cookie cutter type uh, of Christian. And so, yeah, those, those are some great uh, things that I would ask y'all for and uh, in, in prayer, in those things, uh, but also for uh, this church that uh, the Lord's hand uh, is on it and uh, would continue to lead us. Okay, but something a lot more important than uh, me or than the next season is uh, God's Word, the Bible. And I do love God's Word, and I love teaching it. So John 21, 15 through 25. And again, we've been talking about rest, that we need it. And rest is receiving. Rest is knowing. Today, Rest is not comparing. Rest is not comparing. Many of you are probably comparing right now. Maybe it's your life to my life. Maybe it's your life to somebody else's life. Uh, May it end. May the Lord kill that trap that is deadly of comparison. I just got three quick thoughts here. It's Mother's Day. Y'all got plans. We've got plans. So three quick thoughts. They are. All are called. Number one. Number two, all are called. Okay? I don't know if you heard me right. Number one, all are called. Number two, all are called. Number three, the call is not all. Okay? We're going to see that in John 21, 15 through 25. Start with verse 15. It says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper. And he said... Lord, who is that? Who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? This is a disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, 
I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Man, I love that last verse. I love verse 25. As someone who loves books, I just, John ends with that. And just thinking all the other things, the world cannot contain the books that would be written. Okay. Not comparing. All are called. All are called. The call is not all. Uh, First, all are called. Let's start with Peter. And if we focused on verse 15 through 19, a little backstory. Uh, does everybody here know that Peter denied Jesus? Yes? Everybody got that? Okay, he denied Jesus. So you could imagine the, the guilt, you know, right in his moment of, of need and people to stand, take a stand with Jesus. Peter denied him. So he's got that. And, and we never know if Jesus here, you know, he asked him three times and Peter denied Jesus three times. If, you know, if that's a, a mirror or a kind of a ribbing, we don't know. We just know that he asked him three times. And, you know, and that Peter was grieved, it says. But some backstory on Peter before then, and we don't have time. I'm not going to read all of John 21, but I encourage you to. If you read all of John 21, it says they were going to go fishing. Peter wanted to go fishing. They went out and... It was John who wrote this that recognized Jesus on the shore, not Peter. And when John recognized Jesus, Peter jumped into the water. Okay, I love that. I mean, he, he is bold. You know, he, he is ready to go. He is, uh, has some aggression. I mean, he just, he wants to see the Lord. And he goes out and, and then actually there's another part that, you know, you could easily skim over that when Jesus says in verse 10... Bring some of the fish you have caught. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net. I think of Peter's pretty strong. I mean, they just caught all these fish, and Peter's hauling the net. I mean, he does it. I mean, he's a man of action. Uh, not as much uh, a man of uh, words, though he probably talks a lot. But, you know, he only wrote a couple chapters where, you know, like Paul wrote all this. So he, he's, he's action-oriented. He's a leader. He's a rock. Time where he needed to be a rock, he did deny Jesus, but Jesus has forgiven him, brought him back into the fold, and called him. And all are called, and here Peter is called, because the Lord knew that the gifts of Peter would be used in great ways. Gifts of leadership, gifts of shepherding leadership, gifts of boldness, gifts of action. And so Jesus says, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're my guy. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Now, that's about Peter. Let me talk about bellwether, like this church. Uh, this passage is very, very significant to me and to bellwether's family. Uh, we were having dinner with Carmen and Trevor. Carmen and Trevor. They're getting married, by the way. Keep celebrating the marriage. Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trevor's like, I'm ready to go. Okay. Think about it the rest of the sermon. You ready to go? We'll do it after church, okay? <laughs> He's ready to go. Okay, but he was asking me about where the name Bellwether came from. And I said, well, come to church Sunday because I'm going to talk about it. But it goes back immediately to this passage, John 21. And let me tell you the story. It was uh, summer, uh, summer of 2007. It's actually coming up on 10 years. And was thinking about the church that, that would be uh, birthed by the Lord, and um, anyway, read this passage just in my quiet time. It was in the afternoon, so I guess I'd, I'm not much of a morning person. But anyway, read this passage, okay? 
And, and I, I, love the, uh, I love the idea of raising leaders. Uh, I love the idea of leadership, that anyone can be a leader, anyone can be a leader for Christ. I do believe that. And so I read this passage, and someone uh, in our, our core team had mentioned the word, hey, why don't we name the church? You know, name, you know, it's a, it a big deal back then, and not that it's all in a name, but what about bellwether? And honestly, I thought we could do better uh, than bellwether. But, uh, I mean, that was my initial thought. But, you know, it was like it would be on the short list. Well, I read this passage, and the same day, I mean, in the same hour, uh, I looked up the original uh, definition of bellwether. And the original definition was the lead sheep of the flock. And so, um, if you connect that here, it's this idea of raising leaders of the flock who follow the good shepherd. And we're not, we're not the shepherd. You can be gifted as a shepherd leader, but Jesus is the shepherd. And I just thought of Peter as a bellwether. And this, this idea, and I think we've lived into it. I think there's much more uh, that we can live into. But raising leaders of the flock to follow the good shepherd. And it's exactly why we have that stained glass window up there too. Uh, the big sheep, I call them Peter and Paul. I mean, you know, you can, you, you can get your own name. But I like Peter and Paul, they're the big sheep. They are, uh, you know, they're Christians. They follow who? The good shepherd. And what's the good shepherd doing? Good shepherd's going after the lost, the baby sheep. So now you can have different ideas and definitions about leadership, but a big one for me, and we see it in the Bible, is having a heart of love for the baby sheep. Okay? And the baby sheep could, could look like infants. <laughs> the baby sheep could look like uh, rich and perfect with cars and boats. They could look like down in... The dregs of addiction or, I don't know, drugs or sex or pick your you know, deal. But they're baby sheep. They need to be handled gently. So if we follow the master, the good shepherd, then that's what he does. Okay? And it's not about us. But hey, all are called. And this passage shows Peter's call, Bellwether's call. And your call, if you call Bellwether home, still believe this, from day one. Is entering into a new season. Still believe this all my heart, raising leaders of the flock who follow the good shepherd. And I've always felt like Bellwether's call was to be part of a sending church. Uh, I see this church. I want this church to plant churches in the future. We've already started ministries here, leaders raised here. There is much, much more that the Lord will do. And that is exciting, and it is exciting me. But raising leaders of the flock who follow the good shepherd, that will always be, at least while I'm here, a big heartbeat, pulse. Of, of this church, and that's you. And so I would say all are called. You are called. Now, point two. All are called? All are called, okay? Let's look. Then Peter turns, okay? Peter, you know, actually, at this point, Peter may not be like big sheep there. He may still, he may be kind of fledgling lamb. Because of this, the sin creeps in, this comparison. He looks at John. You know, and John's always like, uh, he's known as like the kid, the youngest, kind of the baby disciple. and But there was some, I, I read into this, there was some jealousy there. Peter turns and looks at John. And, and John writes this too. I don't know if he's trying to get back at Peter. He's not trying to get back at Peter. But John saw it as important for us to be reading today. Well, the Lord saw it as important, but John saw it as important that churches be reading. Peter says, what about him? What about him? What's he going to do? Hey, I'll feed your lambs, but... I want to be like the chief feeder, you know, maybe Peter was thinking. What about him? 
Because John was with Peter and James in the, in the highest rung of disciples. And Jesus said, don't worry about him, man. You just follow me. All are called, all are called. John's called too. Okay? And they're different gifts. If you look at the lives of Peter and John, Peter was a shepherd leader. He shepherded churches. He was up in Rome for a long time, really. They believe he was the, the pastor, the planner of the church in Rome. He stayed there. He was a shepherding. He was, he was bold. He was action-oriented. John, on the other hand, was more the nurturer. Part of John's call was to, and I think this is highly um, relevant on Mother's Day, John's call was to care for Jesus' mom. That was a big part of his call. One person. Jesus called him on the cross. I love history. I love the history of the church. John and Mary ended up in the church at Ephesus, where they believe Mary's tomb is. John didn't plant any churches. John didn't pastor any churches. Uh, John obviously was a good writer. He wrote John. He wrote John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He wrote Revelation. John was chosen to be given the vision of Revelation. He had this great call too. Peter had this great call. All are called, all are called. Then you can even throw in Paul there, which he's not in this passage, but if you look at Paul's unique gifts, I mean, Paul was really, he had a brilliant mind. He wrote most of the New Testament he was an adventurer, missionary. Plan- he planted all these churches. I mean, he was wanting to go to Spain. I mean, if the Lord had given him more time, he'd probably be in South America. Who knows? You know, the U.S. might be different. I mean, if Paul had lived much longer. I mean, he was just going, going, going. Different gifts. I say this so y'all might see this, so that y'all might not compare and rest in who God's made you to be. Some of you have a gift of shepherd leadership. Some of you have a gift of nurturing. Some of you have a real gift of... And all need it, caring for your mom or mothers. Some of you have a gift of adventure, of missionary, of relating one-on-one. Some of you have prophetic gift, preaching gift, teaching gift. All are called and all are gifted. And I say this too, not just to adults in the room, but to a lot of our our students, our youth, our graduates. You're, You're called. And it does take time to discern the gift, and live into it. But, you know, some practical advice, this is not in the Bible, but, you know, I always think, like, gifts uh, and interests, so gifts, what you're good at, uh, and interests, what you like, it's really like two, if you can see the fingers, like two strands of of a rope. They're really bound together. So students, student leaders, you know, what do you like to do? What do you, what are you good at? What has the Lord gifted you? Live into that. Uh, some might say, like, uh, read, brother, read Kellum, we were talking about here. Maybe baseball. Well, read, keep living into baseball, brother, you know, and don't compare. You know, I mean, baseball is a big comparison sport, but the Lord's gifted you. I mean, just using, using that as an example. All are called, all are called. Last point, the call is not all. And this is the biggest, this is the biggest statement, this is the biggest thing to remember, because we get really wrapped up in my call. We get really wrapped up into my gifts. And that will ultimately lead to comparison. Oh, they have and I don't have. Or I have and they don't have. The call's not all. The call's not even the main point. You are not the main point. I'm not the main point. I've said this over and over again. I mean, the Lord, I mean, if I'm not here, Bellwether, I mean, the Lord would take Bellwether and run with it and do his work with it. 
And if you're not here, the Lord's going to do His work. We are gifted in grace into His mission, and it is a gift. And your gifts are a gift. But the gifts, the call, are not all. You're like, well, what's all? Jesus. Jesus is all in all. Who's the, uh, sometimes my sight's not that good. Who's, who's the main figure, center portion of that stained glass window? Who is it? Jesus. Jesus. Is it sheep Peter or sheep Paul? With Jesus to the side. I mean, it, or it could be, you know, sheep Peter and Jesus being in one of those mountains over there saying, man, go get them, you know. That's, that's often what we think of as our Christian life. It's not what the Bible says. Uh, it's not what I'm saying today. And maybe I've said something like that before. If I do, Lord, forgive me. Jesus in the center. Jesus, the call's not all. The call's not, not even the, the cover, the title page, the, the main point. It's, it's Jesus. He's all in all. Like, where does it say that in the Bible? That verse I love, verse 25. Read it again. There are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. It's all to his glory. It's all about him. It's your life. And this sounds really churchy. I want to get the church out of the church. But when you say, I give my life to Jesus. Jesus, my life is yours. It's Jesus. It's not us. And so we battle often the rest of our lives to push down the self and let Jesus sit in his, in his proper place on the throne of our life. And it's not our seat. And many of us struggle with that daily. That's why we have to preach to ourselves. That's why we have to hear this. Jesus is all in all. Last thing I'll say. Uh, some of you are Christian here. Not all of you are Christian here. I know that. I have not always been a Christian. Okay? Uh, I have not always... Wanted to do this. <laughs> Even as I do this, sometimes I've not always wanted to do this, okay? But I do really want to be a Christian. And there's a reason for it. And I want to talk to students just as much here as adults. You know, because I, partly I've thought it out, but I don't mean thinking, you know, sometimes we just not thinking like, oh, it's, you know, geek out or something. I'm not talking about that. It's very simple. The best way to live this life, this earthly life, I truly believe it. I compare it to every other religion or worldview or if you're, you know, just like a good person agnostic. The best way to live this life is as a Christian. Is as a Christian, as in Jesus Christ. Like, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, here's the deal. Uh, so many people are cocky or cocky without a reason. And so many people are depressed, okay? So let's take too high and too low. Christianity truly levels this out. You know why? Because if you're up here and you're, you're high or you're cocky or you're mighty, if you're really a Christian, if you really get it, if you know it, or if you, maybe if you just read the Bible and think about it, you didn't do it. And you don't ever do it. You don't save yourself. You will never save yourself. If you spend this life trying to save yourself, that's a rough way to live. So you get brought low. It's actually called Great word, humility. Humble. But then you still got these folks that are just depressed. And like, man, you know, life, oh man, it's just a struggle and I just can't do it. And maybe it's a physical depression. I mean, some people 
have that thorn. Maybe it's a psychological depression. Maybe it's a season in life. But see, on the other hand, you know, same thing. Jesus did it. And Jesus is always with you. In Romans 8, 28, he works all things for good, for your good, for those that will love the Lord and call it according to his purpose. So you come up. You're never too high and you're never too low. And it's a really balanced life. And that's what a lot of the secular or the like leadership stuff, that's what they always say, and I don't think they'll ever get there because a lot of people write it aren't Christian, and it's really about your performance. But it's not too high, not too low. So I really would call you. I'd implore you. I would, it's a burden on me. What were we just saying? You know, that, that our heart would know, that your heart would know that. His wounds have paid my ransom. You're always going through life trying to pay somebody back. And I'm not talking about a bank or somebody you owe, but there's something in us that's like, man, I gotta, I gotta prove myself. I gotta prove myself to mom. I gotta prove myself to my child. No, you don't. No, you don't. Not in Jesus. It is the last thing I could say for, you know, I don't preach for a while is it's the best way to live in Christ. And only the Holy Spirit can really show you that. And I trust he is right now. Let's pray together. Lord, I call these people to repentance. I call myself to repentance. I call these people to worship. I call myself to worship. (laughs) Let us not put ourselves in the front of the stained glass window. And let us keep Jesus there. And let us follow him. As he said to Peter 2,000 years ago, he says to us, Don't worry about them. Follow me. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen.